Jody Vance in for Mike Smith, and it is time for Baldry's Beat. Global BC's Legislative Bureau Chief is in, Keith Baldry, of course. Hello there, Keith. Good morning, Jody. Let's remind everybody, 1.30 today is the in-person briefing with uh, Provincial Health Officer Dr. Bonnie Henry and Health Minister Adrian Dix. You will hear that live here again, 1.30 on the Jill Bennett Show. Make sure you're tuned in to that. I want to get to, obviously, COVID and all things COVID-19 BC for sure. want to talk trucker convoy as well. But let's begin with the big political news on the national, on the federal platform and, and conservative leader Aaron O'Toole in a very precarious position at the moment. Yes, this is fascinating to watch, uh, to see this unfold. So at least 35 MPs have signed a letter saying they want a leadership review uh, over um, Mr. O'Toole's uh, leadership. So it was a huge caucus revolt against him. But he took to Twitter last night and basically threw down the gauntlet. And he said, I'll quote him, there are two roads open to the Conservative Party of Canada. One is the road of Randy Hillier and Derek Sloan. It is angry, negative, and extreme. It is a dead end, one that would see the Party of Confederation become the NDP of the right. He adds a number of more tweets to that, but basically saying, I'm not going anywhere and I'm not turning back. So he's throwing down the gauntlet to his um, critics, and they're beyond critics right now. They're his enemies in the caucus uh, to his leadership, and it's going to be fascinating to see how this unfolds. I'm not sure he can survive. Toronto Star has a piece today quoting a number of sources saying they just don't see that he's got the numbers to survive a caucus revolt, but um, it's going to be fascinating to see how this unfolds. Now, when it is laid out like that, what he is saying on his social media there, is he referencing um, the the part of his conservative party, those who would sign a letter to review his leadership, when he calls them out, is he calling out a further right conservative yes. piece? Yes. Yeah, yeah, he is. He, O'Toole has been trying to, and we saw this in the election campaign, where he's trying to have it both ways in some ways, placating the, the sort of the more right-wing part of the caucus was still trying to uh, gravitate towards the middle. Um, you've got a number of members of the caucus, according to reports today, is that uh, there, a number of MPs are angry that uh, the party would support the Liberals' ban on conversion therapy, for example. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. Aaron O'Toole uh, points out he marches in pride parades. This does not go over well with the rump of his caucus, who are far more right-wing than he is. And he's been trying to steer the party to the middle, and that's proving to be an elusive goal. I mean, Andrew Scheer was much more to the right than he was, and he wasn't able to survive. Uh, There's a a faction of that that party that wants to tilt far more right than O'Toole is willing to do, and that's what sparked this, you know, sort of mini-civil war that's about to erupt in that caucus. Our producer, John Jang, found a uh, quick clip here I want to play, Keith. Uh, this is a global news report uh, uh, that co- sort of puts into context Aaron O'Toole and what he's facing right now. Have a listen. Alberta MP Bob Benzin and 35 other MPs have signed a letter calling for a caucus review of his leadership. That vote is slated to happen on Wednesday. In a letter, Benzin says Conservatives have given O'Toole enough chances to prove himself. He says it's time for a course correction to resolve the party's concerns. O'Toole responded with a statement last night. He says he welcomes the challenge and it's time to put this issue to bed once and for all. So basically reiterating what you just laid down, and as the Global BC Legislative Bureau Chief, how do you see this playing out on Wednesday? Well, I think it's going to be tough for him to survive this, but I've seen a number of uh, instances at both the provincial and federal levels where it can be tough to dislodge a leader who doesn't want to go. Uh, It can take more time than just one day. 
you go back to Bill Vanderzam's days, that took, you know, a couple of years <laughs> to dislodge someone yeah, who I did not want to leave. Uh, yeah. If they want to be stubborn about it, they can drag this out and it can be quite messy and quite uh, bloody internally. So, uh, again, O'Toole seems to be sticking to his guns that he doesn't want to leave. Um, there is the, um, I remember, was it Michael Chan, the, the Reform Act that came in uh, that um, that does sort of put in, into motion a leadership review of a certain, I think 20% of the caucus is, um, if they sign a letter, it's, it triggers an automatic leadership review. The caucus can remove a leader. The party having the party remove a leader is something else entirely. But um, again, this is going to get, I think, a little messy. You got Pierre Poliev out there who started this early on uh, by mm. really aggressively courting the trucker protest. Then a Nano's opinion poll came out that showed Poliev was more popular than O'Toole with the public, and that's fueled speculation that this is really a power move by Pierre Poliev to replace Aaron O'Toole. And having witnessed some of these internal civil wars before. This could be very damaging internally and can be very messy, and I suspect it will. Let's talk about digging your heels in. You referenced the trucker convoy. It continues. How do you see this unfolding, both politically and with regard to how the people of Ottawa are being impacted? Well, the people of Ottawa want these people gone, like now. Um, they're being held hostage by this uh, by this uh, protest. I suspect the police at some point will move in in Ottawa. Now, there's it's interesting. There was an Angus Reid poll out yesterday that showed now a majority of Canadians want restrictions lifted. doesn't mean they want vaccine mandates lifted because 90% of the population is vaccinated, so a mandate doesn't really adversely affect them whatsoever. But people now, I think, psychologically have moved into a different level in this pandemic where learning to accept the fact that Omicron variant is here, it's not disappearing quickly, it's going to make people sick but not put, uh, you know, everyone in the hospital or in the ICU. And so they want to, I think, move to the next stage, which is to have more gatherings, allow weddings, allow funerals, and wedding receptions, allow funeral receptions, allow people to go to a hockey game, uh, have more sports uh, in schools, have more basically uh, freedom of movement around. And that's where we're headed. BC is going to be lifting, I think, our crowd gathering limits, our capacity limits in mid-February. Ontario today is opening up restaurants with some, you know, some still some some restrictions. Quebec is starting to move, albeit a little slow, slower in opening up. Nova Scotia is. You see Denmark, the United Kingdom, Northern Europe is starting to open up with uh, loosening restrictions. And it's no no coincidence that this is happening as we move in towards the spring with warmer weather, mm-hmm. more daylight hours, fewer people gathering indoors. So I think that that part of the truckers' protest, I think, is probably supported by people where they want you know, fewer restrictions. doesn't necessarily extend to ending vaccine mandates just yet because, again, 90% of the population is vaccinated and has vaccine cards. NBC. I think the mass. I think you're speaking to the masses when you when you lay it out like that. I I don't think you can find a single individual uh, who wouldn't be thrilled at the idea of measures being lifted safely. Yeah, it, it's it, again we've learned to live with this thing. I think by and large, people still, you know, they're wearing their masks, they're keeping their social distance, they're learning to sort of change their behavior in accordance with public health measures. But there's also, I think, a need now to sort of experience life in a greater way than we did last summer. And Dr. Henry mentioned this a few weeks ago, that this summer is going to look a lot better 
and feel a lot better than last summer, where people are going to be allowed to gather and to do things in a way that wasn't um, possible last summer. Because, again, we've got such high vaccination rates, and the Delta variant is gone. It's been replaced by the Omicron variant for now. We'll see if there's another variant that shows up, which is infecting more people, but really not infecting them to the degree of having a really severe illness. So many people I know, I'm not at least a half dozen people in the last, over the weekend I met, who've had um, the Omicron variant or COVID-19, but report relatively very mild symptoms. It's like having a bad cold or a, a mild case of the flu. And I think people can learn to live with that. Jody Vance in for Mike Smith. It is Baldry's Beat. Keith Baldry, Global BC's Legislative Bureau Chief. And Keith, got to remind our listeners here, in-person update with Dr. Bonnie Henry, Health Minister Adrian Dix, 1.30 today. You'll hear it on the Jill Bennett Show live on CKNW. What do we expect today? Uh, going to be a focus on hospitalizations, what's going on in hospitals. We had 1,048 people in hospital concurrently uh, yesterday. We're averaging about 90 people going into hospital a day, but of course, a lot of people are leaving hospital, which is why the number doesn't go up by 90 a day. And we're going to get a breakdown in what's called um, incidental COVID cases. These are people who go into hospital for to be treated for something entirely different than COVID-19, say a, a routine scheduled surgery or emergency treatment. They go in and they are tested for COVID-19. And even though they don't have any symptoms, they test positive while well, they're added to the COVID list. In Ontario, that's about 45% of the cases in hospital are people who go, are called incidental COVID people who really don't experience uh, much symptoms but test positive for the disease while they're in getting knee replacement surgery or gallbladder surgery, you know, other uh, medical services uh, and procedures. So we're going to get a breakdown of that in today's briefing as well. All right, we'll look forward to that. Phone lines are open for Keith Baldry, 604-280-9898, 604-280-9898, or star 9898 is a free call on your cell. And of course, Keith, as always, lined up for you here. Let's start with Carrie in Surrey. Welcome, Carrie. Hi, thanks for having me. Um, I just kind of have a kind of a two-level uh, comment here. First of all, uh, I work in child care, and I'd kind of like to remind everyone who's supporting these truckers, there's a large group of children all under the age of five who do not have access and are not eligible for vaccines. And a lot of these mandates are protecting these children, protecting the mitigation of all this. And, and the big news that came out today is that Pfizer's now submitted uh, for emergency approval. So there is an end in sight here. Maybe not absolutely get rid of the COVID, but everybody will have the ability to protect themselves. So I think people need to kind of calm down, look at the science, follow the science, and know that uh, there's good, t- good days ahead. Yeah, no, I think call, that's a very, very yeah. good call, Carrie. That's a very good comment. I mean, we, the, the, the horizon looks a lot more positive than it did last, this time last year. It's interesting. I live across the street from an elementary school and meeting with some parents last week uh, in the park after they dropped their kids off and we're, we're sort of rocking our dogs. And they talked about how the, the different attitudes for them were, were, were markedly different than the fall. In the fall, that was still very much sort of doom and gloom, not sure what to expect. The Delta variant was still out there. And now there's more an acceptance, you know, well, okay, just let it go. We're all vaccinated now. Um, Omicron is not as severe. Our kids have had it. They're not 
not seriously ill. So psychologically, they said the 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 mood of the school has improved markedly uh, markedly from from the fall, where where it was much more, I think, unknown and unsure and a little more frightening of what was happening than today. When yes, you've got the Omicron variant; it's much more transmissible, but it doesn't seem to be putting people in in great severe illness in numbers that we saw with Delta. We really have seen that shift to the concern, the real concern now in this moment, and it could change as you say everything's always on the table. But the real concern now is protecting our healthcare system because once we do ultimately get through the pandemic portion of this, Keith, we all know that that fire hose of everything that's been on hold will open up as well. I mean, our frontline healthcare workers have a lot to deal with and will continue to long after uh, we are in this emergency phase or getting through the endemic. A lot of surgeries have been rescheduled uh, and they have to come back and they're going to come back. Uh, If you've had your surgery rescheduled, you're still going to get your surgery. But that means the pressure on the healthcare workers, the frontline healthcare workers who've been tremendous through this pandemic is not going to end simply because we're into a new stage of, of fewer restrictions. Let's keep going down the phone board. 604-280-9898. Star 9898 is a free call on your cell. Keith in Ladner. Welcome, Keith. Hi, thanks for taking my call. A um, couple things. Uh, Keith mentioned that, um, you know, the vaccine passports are justified because 90% of the population is vaccinated. However, what I think that's overlooking is that not necessarily all 90% of those people support the mandates just because they're vaccinated. I mean, I'm fully vaccinated myself and I don't like the mandates because uh, I don't think they're justified from a moral perspective. They're not justified from a constitutional perspective, and they're certainly not justified from a scientific perspective. And secondly, I was just wondering if Keith could provide his thoughts on the challenge that's currently placed from uh, Brian Peckford, the former Premier of Newfoundland, and the last living signatory of the Canadian Charter in 82. He he doesn't think that they're justified for two reasons. Uh, First of all, he doesn't think that the emergency is serious enough to justify the use of Section 1, which overrides all the other sections of the Charter. And secondly... He um, basically says that uh, the proper implementation of Section 1 hasn't been justified in a parliamentary democracy. So I'd appreciate your thoughts Keith. on that. That the, yeah, so the constitu- right now, thanks. Yeah, thanks. Uh, the constitutional arguments on this are not backed by constitutional scholars. I mean, Brian Peckford is not Canada's foremost constitutional expert. He spoke at the anti-vax rally here at the legislature on Saturday. He's against the vaccinations. Um, so again, it's it's. Uh, a minority viewpoint. Now, the vaccine mandates, it, it is interesting. Right now, BC's vaccine mandates or vaccine card requirement, proof of vaccination, is set to expire June 30th. It varies from province to province. Eventually, I assume these will disappear uh, as uh, as we shift into different levels of the pandemic where the pandemic actually is declared over and we turn into an endemic rather than a pandemic. Uh, so the, I don't think they're going to be permanent, but they're here for a few more months. And I, I would disagree with the call. There are certainly people who were double vaccinated who oppose the vaccine mandates, no question. But an Ipsos poll last week suggested 70% of Canadians uh, want further restrictions on people who are unvaccinated. So again, I think the majority does back them, but there's a significant minority of the vaccinated uh, population who don't back it. Well, that's an interesting stat. 70%. 67, 67% want more restrictions. And that's not confined to Canada. That's showing up in other countries as well, where the vast majority of the population is vaccinated and they want more restrictions on those who are not. Keith Baldry, always fascinating to have some time to chat with you on Baldry's Beat. As always, thank you for this. Thanks, Ray. For most of us, crime is something we see on the news. We never think it could happen to us until it does. 
Loved ones are gone, and for the survivors, the scars will never heal. I'm Nancy Hickst, a senior crime reporter for Global News. And on this season of Crime Beat, I'll take you inside some of the most serious crime stories I've covered. Season six of Crime Beat is available now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and all podcast platforms.